0: Welcome to Stock in Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. I'm your co-host, Eitan, and I'm joined as always by Carl. Carl, I see your mic made it to your new home.
1: It did. Let's see if it actually sounds good, uh, but it has to sound better than the tiny little cordoid capsule in my MacBook that is also worrying because the MacBook's really hot. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, let, let's hope that we're, we're returning to form, but yes, I have a desk, I have furniture. Uh, after a month, my belongings have actually made it to Texas, so things are looking up in the Smutko household. How are you doing?
0: That's good. Um, I'm doing okay. We were just catching up. Like This past weekend was relatively sad because there wasn't anything in the movies. I ended up re-watching... I guess I realized halfway through that it was actually a rewatch. Um uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado.
1: The fact that you remembered halfway through that it was a rewatch sounds about right for that movie which I have not seen. Well, I think I haven't seen it.
0: I I you know what happened? I think I like I know that um, Emily Blunt was only in the first one. So I knew right. that she wasn't in the second one. But I thought the plot of the second one was the plot of the first one. Got it. But anyway, very I, I I like the movie. It's definitely a very hmm. It's not dramatic is not the word, but like it reminds me a little bit of like All Quiet on the Western Front. That there is always like this very dramatic music around nothing. It's two guys sitting in chairs in a kitchen in a military base and it's boom, 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 like all the time. And it's like they're trying to give you uh like to just trying to be very yeah, like there's always danger around the corner, which, you know, it helps. Um, enjoyable. I I have not seen it.
1: I no. am pretty generally favorable on... Pretty generally. Wow, that's uh, very <laughs> hand-wavy. Pretty it's generally favorable to anything of Taylor Sheridan's I've seen in the film world. I have not dipped my toes into the... Yellowstone verse, unlike the majority of America, seemingly, but I also have that. Yeah, Hell or High Water, Wind River, Those Who Wish Me Dead, Sicario, all bangers. So probably get around to it at some point.
0: Good, good airplane.
1: I guess. Good airplane. Yeah. Do you know the? Yeah. You know those T-shirts that um, are like Helvetica and every. It has like a bunch of names with ands and ants. I think you might have a Hades Hadestown one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know exactly.
1: Yeah. If I had to make like a one of those for me of anything, it would probably be for the first Sicario just because it's Denis Villeneuve, Taylor Sheridan, name people on that cast. Emily Blanc, Benicio de Toro, Josh Brolin, Daniel Kaluuya, Roger Deakins, and Johan Johansson. Just like all... All my people. All bangers all the time? All bangers all the time. Yep. That is the first Sicario. Uh, And that is why I'm not really interested in the second one, because only Sheridan and, I guess, Del Toro and Brolin are involved, but not that murderer's row.
0: Yeah, yeah. It has both uh, The Collector and Thanos. I guess we can start talking about all the movies like that, right? Um yeah, that reminded me that your comment about the Ant shirts. The other thing that I watched this weekend is we started watching the third season of Ted Lasso. Okay. And, and there is this uh, football player that is very egocentric. His name is Zava. So he has a shirt like that that is Zava and Zava and, Zava and Zava and Zava and Zava and Zava and Zava. Making fun as if it was going to be the names of all the team, but it's just his name. Very on under- We, yeah, let's see. What did we watch this weekend?
1: We, we finally have a TV now, so we'll actually watch more. I think I only watched four movies last month, and all of them were in a theater. So that's good, I guess. More than most people see in a theater, but just not my usual volume of films. We saw the new, new Kelly Reichert film showing up on Saturday, which was really good. Michelle Williams... Uh, it was really nice seeing Michelle Williams play a normal human being after (laughs) the last time I saw her on a big screen in the Fablemans. She's playing a art student slash post-grad who's prepping for a big show, and it's about her kind of her family life, her interior life, her competitive relationship with another artist played by Hong Chao, who you know is one of my gals. So really liked it, but like any Kelly Reichert, it's a certain mood, and uh, just kind of a slow pace and more just living in the world actually getting quite a bit of Kelly Reichardt because the Austin Film Society is programming some of her other films this week so we're going to see Night Moves, her eco-terrorism film which will pair well with How to Blow Up a Pipeline from a few weeks ago uh, probably mm-hmm. Meeks got off as well so uh, yeah, I guess it's R- Reichardt April, I don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not the, oh, well, a Succession
1: not Do you I don't scene? don't spoil anything though I'm assuming oh, as okay, 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 <laughs> since okay. it happened. Uh we are as soon as we are done. Logan as... didn't die again. He didn't okay. die again. So no that's good.
0: About that. Yeah, <laughs> he also wasn't resurrected. He also wasn't, correct. No yep. other timeline logan, no Logan the Conqueror, no Quantum Realm, nothing like that. Okay. That that's good. Yeah. We we're gonna watch it after we're
1: done recording this episode. <laughs> yeah. That's great. so uh, this episode as we were talking about what topics we're going to talk about that's a lot of deja vu for me i feel like we've talked about most of these topics before let's start off with max Uh, i'm in a bit of state of deja vu right now because i literally just edited our episode where we were guessing about max and it has since come to pass but Everything we talked about last week came true, right? There's a Harry Potter show, which I guess was a few weeks ago. They're merging the two services. HBO Max is now Max.
0: Yeah. I guess price points will we well, May 21st. Yeah. Price points stay the same. Yeah. They're including a new, more expensive tier that is like, you know, more screens at the same time and things like that.
1: And 4K streaming, but... So- The streaming quality of HBO Max was never that great to begin with. So really curious to see who's going to pay for 4K streams and actually get value out of that.
0: Yeah, for me, the funnest part was how they... It almost feels like... (laughs) Most of the messaging for the reason why they changed the name was along the lines of like... HBO focuses on good quality content. There is more beyond good quality content. It's like, is this really what you want to be saying? That you're taking the HBO Max, the HBO name, because you want to add non-good quality content? It just feels like a weird um, messaging to choose from. And it also didn't feel as strong as... Our, we talked about this last week. It didn't feel like a strong enough rebrand to actually be like, you know, newsworthy, new customer acquisition, new whatever. You know, HBO Max is now the water tower of Warner brothers or like, I I don't know we can call it a better name. Animaniacs streaming I who cares? Um, As, as we spoke about last week, you, you said that you
1: think it's primarily a play to reduce churn. I think that we saw nothing in the press release last week that would suggest otherwise. I, I don't see anybody signing up for this that already wasn't going to sign up because of a piece of HBO content they wanted to watch or sorry, Warner Discovery, Max. HBO Max content.
0: Yeah. Honestly, my reaction is that now I want someone to rebrand to Plus. <laughs> you know? Disney uh, Plus is now Plus. Apple TV Plus is now Plus.
1: I would just really I love Plus. for somebody to... I mean, you got to hand it to Peacock. At least they didn't call it NBC or Comcast Plus. They came up with a name for something. I'm sick of this. It this is the worst version of circa 2008 when everything had an "I" in front of it. Yeah, zero creativity. Yeah, no.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a
1: any Anything else you wanted to say about any of those announcements? I feel like there was something out of it that I was excited about, but I can't even remember at this point. Yeah, no, I guess it wasn't as exciting, huh? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we will get Max for free. It appears that it's going to be the same app experience as HBO Max, yeah. except on some platforms, but I'm assuming all the platforms I use are going to have the same experience, so I don't even have that to look forward
0: to. Yeah, I'm colorblind, so I'm also not sure if they tweaked the hue of the purple. Ooh, I didn't know you were colorblind. I have no idea.
1: Or maybe I didn't, I forgot, because it's... You know something that I don't because you're a bad friend. I'm a terrible friend. Yeah, I'm always (laughs) sending you red and green things and asking you to choose between them. You know, and you always do. Yeah, terrible. No, but yeah, I'm I'm colorblind. Okay, so Um, more more streaming news. Well, I guess the inverse of streaming news. We'll start with that with Netflix. Okay, we'll do Netflix news items today. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's I guess I guess there is there is the big cable news thing with Fox and Dominion. you saw that, right?
0: Oh yeah. Almost 800 million dollars to yeah unquote
1: settle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their EBITDA last year was 3 billion, so it's a pretty sizable chunk for them, which is great.
0: Not great. It's not yeah, great. The legal system the legal system yeah. in the US and how far people will go to say we weren't found guilty. Well, you paid $800 million to not go to trial. We yeah. weren't found guilty.
1: They weren't found guilty. They didn't not do anything wrong, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Um, But yeah, yeah. Netflix. I, I, The one that came to mind, which I maybe is more connected to Max, is that they were going to have their second ever live stream this past Sunday. The first one being the Chris Rock Comedy Special right before the Oscars. And they were going to do... Have you ever watched a season of Love is Blind?
1: I have not. I'm aware of the premise. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I, I have
0: not. <laughs> Perfect. So Love is Blind, this reality show, you know, couples without seeing each other, choose each other, then propose to each other, and then they see each other. They hang out for a month, they get they go to the altar, and the big thing is, will they say yes or no to getting married? So one of these, I tell I realize it feels like a psycho show that these people... But anyway, mm-hmm. usually what they do is at the end of the season, because they recorded it, like, whatever, six months before it aired, a week or two after all of the episodes are released, they release, like, this reunion episode, which is, like, six months after they bring the people that were together and they're asking how they're doing. And also for the people that say no to, to be, like, are you still dating? What are you doing? And usually, you know, it leads to some spicy discussions of, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And for the latest season, which was released, I think, two weeks ago, they were supposed to live stream the reunion. Sunday night, and as people logged in, according to the TEDs, 6.5 million people logged in to watch this live stream on Sunday, they were all met by a screen of, we're sorry for the inconvenience, we will be right back with you. The live stream never happened, with technical difficulties, and they ended up releasing a pre-recorded version of the reunion a day later, so, yesterday, Monday, the 17th. Uh yeah, today, now, Tuesday, when we're recording, they came out, CEOs, we're still committed to live streams, we identified mm-hmm. the issue, blah blah blah, 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 but of course, not, uh, not a great time.
1: Yeah, they're still committed to live streams, they're still committed to a best-in-class uh, AVOD experience, they're still
0: committed to winning Best Picture, yeah, uh, all
1: classic Netflix stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm still committed to losing weight, but I'm also committed to eating a lot of ice cream. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm committed. I mean, that doesn't mean, yeah. That's why. Uh, hey,
1: I have my my bike back now. I can actually exercise and eat ice cream and not lose weight, but maintain. So be that's happy. Good. Yeah, exactly. Be that's happy. Good that's good enough. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, with the the Netflix streaming thing, I. I've always been confused by their live streaming ambitions. It doesn't... I understand theoretically why they want to do it, because it's playing catch-up just like their AVOD tier is. I just... The the fundamental Netflix problem for me... I mean, we've, we've had many fundamental Netflix problems we've discussed, but why not just invest in better content more strategically? Like, say, Apple is with Up until now, less money spent on content than than Netflix, but just kind of more critical success, if not subscription success, if you were to compare the the pools of subscribers in their age. Why not invest in that instead of trying to be in mobile games and also be in streaming and be in AVOD and do all of it terribly? It just seems like... They should read a any business book about late stage corporations after they ex- exit the growth phase. This is exactly whatever company does when they want to when they want to keep it staying in hyper growth, and they always do it terribly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Oh man, it almost sounds like we're bullish on. <laughs> yeah, bearish. Bull, bear, bearish. Bear. I always confuse those. They both give me a vibe of. I Mason. Do you actually know where that term like. comes from? Have we talked about this?
1: No. Okay. The bear or the bull? So. Or both. Both. Oh, okay. So in San Francisco, the... in Dolores Park, before it was Dolores Park, long before it was Dolores Park, it was a cemetery. I believe it was a Jewish cemetery. And really? then. Okay. San Francisco ran, had a housing crisis, you know, but in the late 1800s because of <laughs> the gold rush and not enough space. I And, of course, the earthquakes exacerbated it. But they needed to clear as much land as they could. The outside lands weren't as developed. They only had like a third of the peninsula to work with. So they made cemeteries illegal. They grandfathered a handful in, but they shipped pretty much all the bodies. They exhumed them and shipped them to Colma. Right near South San Francisco, so the nickname of Colma is the City of the Dead because there are like seven cemeteries next to each other. So yeah, you're not new interments are not really a thing in San Francisco. In very rare occasions, maybe like certain churches have a a plot or something they can uh, inter people in. So between. That period, and the Dolores Park we know and love today, where people just drink IPAs and stare at the skyline, it was kind of a pleasure dome of debauchery, where it was just, you know, illegal gambling, a bunch of Gold Rush people just doing illicit things. I mean, actually not too much, too dissimilar from <laughs> Dolores today, but yeah, sure. one of the things they Different were known for the was rush. they had... Bear versus bull fights, where the bears, so like the financial, the finance guys in that era of San Francisco coined the terms bear and bull markets based off of the bear and bull fights in Dolores Park because the bears would swipe down to hit the bulls and the bulls would ram upward, upward with their horns to hit the bears and those directions indicate bear versus bull, which actually helps me remember it, but that is the history of that terminology.
0: (laughs) Oh, we're such an informational podcast. That is fascinating. I would have never guessed. Uh, Yep, nope, I wouldn't have Because even that second part of a bear strikes down and a bull strikes up, I would have never taken that to, oh yeah, and they fought each other in Dolores Park in the late 19th century
1: <laughs> yeah and it, it's so like what those terms are so ingrained in business and finance culture now that it's it's almost it's whatever the opposite of anthropomorphization is where i don't <laughs> think of it as the animal i just think of it as yeah a bear market i know what that is but literally sure. it's a bear market attacking a bull market
0: See, like like you didn't learn that more. in business school. Exactly. This was like very important information.
1: Yeah, we went to business school, what, Nari, 40, 40 miles from where the term barren bull market was coined? We should have learned that.
0: I can't believe our finance class didn't take us on a field trip. <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm great. kind
0: of being serious, but kind of not, right? We care so much about networking and stuff like that. This is a great story. It is a great story. Thank you for sharing it. I kind of feel bad that we're letting so many people know. And we're not going to be able to oh, yeah. use
1: it, it It should be our secret that only we get to share.
0: Yeah. Next time I'm going to start be telling someone to look impressive, they're going to be like, oh, I heard that on your podcast. I'm going to be like, damn it. Damn it.
1: Yeah. That, that has actually happened to me before. So has that happened to you? I'm assuming it has at this point.
0: <laughs> yes. A couple of times. Which is yeah. nice and fun. Yeah. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. What's the other new sighting from Netflix? Wow. So, I guess
1: this is actually supporting the point I just made about Netflix being too having no focus. They announced that they are shutting down their DVD fit business after twenty five years. So, yeah, it was operating the legacy Netflix business under the DVD.com URL and branding. But yeah, they will no longer be shipping DVDs starting on September 29th, which I would love to meet the person who is still renting DVDs through Netflix and not just either buying them themselves because they're not that expensive or, and renting them from the local library for free.
0: I was going to say, the local library seems to just be... Yeah. The, the library is really the kicker. If, um, uh, what's the name? What am I blanking on this? Critio Connection? No, what's the name? Criterion Collection. Yeah. Yes, yes. If the Criterion Collection came up with a version where instead of streaming, they send you Blu-rays. No. Would you use that instead of streaming? Now that well, you have a um... PS5 back at your place? Probably not, just because
1: streaming is more convenient than waiting for a DVD in the mail. And I tend to use Blu-rays and DVDs from the library or in my personal collection for one of two reasons. One, something where I really want the quality to be really high. So something like Speed Racer is going to play better on a Blu-ray than in a super compressed format. Or the real thing is, I can't easily legally stream it anywhere, so I'm going to do the right thing and get it from the library, if I can.
0: That makes sense. It's it's kind of... What's the name of the library version of streaming? Uh, Ka- there's something with a K. There's Canopy and there's Hoopla, Yeah, the two big ones. Can- Canopy. Oh yeah, Hoopla you only use for the for like ebooks Hoopla Libby. yeah but have you have you used canopy or I have for video? a little bit
1: the the canopy experience varies from library to library some are a credit based system some have pretty limited library uh, streaming libraries some have pretty large streaming libraries it just depends on the level of access your your branch pays for or your school pays for but it's an okay experience but the selection is nowhere near the just physical media collection of most library brand or library chains. What's the word I'm thinking of? A. Uh, groups. Groups. Library.
0: Groups, library. Cole- uh, the yeah, minimum, what's a collection of libraries? <laughs> That's funny. Uh. Yeah, I, I typed in library collection
1: and it's telling me special collections of libraries. Whatever. Okay. Library chains. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> this is bugging me so much now. System.
0: I can probably They call them library oh, systems. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> because Ariel and I were just laughing at some of these what are what were the best collections of something, say nouns and like a gaggle of geese. A you know, um, like murder crows. of crows. It's great. A murder of crows is great. Uh, let's let's do this very quickly because there were there were some that were fantastic. Uh, an aggregation of manatees. I think it's fantastic. A pandemonium of parrots. A crash of rhinos- rhinoceros. Mm. And but there was another one that I really really liked. Oh man, I'm never gonna find it. This has like. All of the... Well, this is going to be a tangent. A coalition of cheetahs. Very political. I truly a love A mob
1: dogs. of emus is one of my
0: favorites. <laughs> oh, that's great. A float of crocodiles. Oh. A cowardice of dogs. It can be pack or cowardice. Do you know that? No, I didn't. Very important I'm information. Like- we're, we're being... A business of ferrets. I love that one. That one is fantastic. A flamboyance of flamingos, you know, very. A cloud of Nuts. A charm of goldfinches. Carl, have, have I, you found. It's it a your charming charm? movie. <laughs> have you found your. Where is the group? Is that how the fans of the goldfinch are called? The charms? The charmers?
1: <laughs> very cute that, that's that is what i mean anyway we, we
0: can get back we can we can we can get
1: out of I, the information I mean, side of things this has just started to sound like we're listing fantasy novels you know <laughs> <laughs> how about
0: a roomba of rattlesnakes a roomba yeah like or a, mur- vacuum? Mur- a murmuration of starlings yeah yeah like your vacuum okay Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad that we've turned in we've turned from a San Francisco history facts podcast into a I don't know third grade science class facts podcast.
0: Sure. Yeah. This is great. I mean, these are podcasts about things that we find interesting. This fits the bill. Yeah. Uh,
1: this is very entertaining. So we are <laughs> accomplishing our mandate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, spe- speaking of people who think they're very entertaining, the last item we had today was. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> uh, the Twitter oh, Twitter? The Twitter Twitter. So this seems to be, again, with Deja Vu, the what third time in the last two months where half of the world's news organizations are threatening to leave Twitter?
0: I think so. And it feels like the first time that the first prominent one actually did. Yeah. So we have, what,
1: NPR right um PBS Canadian broadcaster CBC and Swedish public Radio so what's going on here is Elon Musk in his impenetrably stupid uh machinations has decided that it's funny and or crucial to Twitter's Journalistic integrity to call out when companies are state funded, something Twitter has done for years with organizations like RT, uh, the Russian news channel, or uh, state affiliated media with China. So a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago, Twitter started labeling NPR after they said something that Elon disagreed with as state funded media, and it has turned into this. Uh, earlier I saw one of the news organizations um, complained about the label. So Elon said that they received 69% of their funding so from the state. So yeah, same story, different day.
0: Very adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there were two interesting things to this. The first one yeah. is... Uh, <laughs> coming into the US, in Mexico, if you say something is public it implies it's government. Yeah. Which is interesting. US, not the case. But when I moved into the US, I did think NPR was public right. because it was yeah. government. I very quickly learned that it wasn't. <laughs> like after listening <laughs> it for listening to it for 10 minutes. Um, but that's a different thing. I think the, the interesting part was that one of the editors of NPR came out and shared a little more information of also not only why, you know, Elon's reaction was also like, blah, they're gonna lose so much of their traffic and blah-blah blah. blah. And this 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 editor came out and said that there was this analysis of NPR over the last whatever number of months, and that less than 2% of their traffic to their website actually came from Twitter. Which is again interesting because to all of this nonsense that continues to be talked about, this is forcing some of these counter not even counter, just these facts uh, to come out about the, the role that these types of services and Twitter specifically plays for publishers. And that doesn't mean it's 2% only for all of them, but it's not the golden egg, goose, golden goose egg, whatever, that being uh, been claimed to be.
1: It, it, and I'm
0: saying that as, a, as you know, as you are, as a humongous Twitter fan. From the service, not from the soap opera that it is now.
1: This goes back to the the comment I made about the Yellowstone verse earlier, right? Like, Yellowstone, I'm aware of Yellowstone. You are as well. But there are dozens of shows that have been running for dozens of seasons on, like, CBS that you and I have never heard of that half of America loves, right? It's, there is just... You and I tend to be out of touch with things. (laughs) You and I tend to be in this, like, (laughs) I don't know, elitist Twitter circle. Uh, I remember when I worked at Roku uh, in the summer of 2019, it blew my mind to learn that Apple TV boxes represented 6% of streaming boxes by volume sold in the United States when The majority of people I knew that if they purchased the streaming box, it was going to be an Apple TV. So just there's all this confirmation bias in terms of the way you and I engage with the the, world and receive information, which is quite a bit of it is through Twitter, shapes how you and I see the world. And and that's something that, yeah, it doesn't shock me to hear that Twitter only drives 2% of traffic. But it also does kind of shock me to hear that at the same time yeah what do you oh, think my... like let's let's separate out the incredibly bad faith arguments of this at its root where do you fall on this labeling issue like if it was being done in earnest and applied with prudence equally as opposed to just targeted barbs at left of center publications that elon musk doesn't like
0: yeah you, you mean specifically this type of like government funded tag or just tagging yeah, in general this like specific tag this person is uh... i think this specific tag it's kind of a version of uh did you happen to see the interview between the uh, editor-in-chief of the verge and uh, the Substack CEO? That came out like last I week. saw it. Um, it's
1: Nile Patel, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I really love reading and listening to everything of his I can. I saw like screenshots from it, but I didn't Some stuff about... engage with it yet.
0: Anyway, but he starts asking this I don't I don't remember I forget the name of the Substack CEO, but things along the lines of like Do you believe it's your job? to take down someone from Subtac that says, and this is quoting him, that brown people don't belong in America and that they should be expelled. Yeah. Very direct, right? And the CEO starts saying, like, well, the way we think about it, is that the role that we play? is like, no. Yes or no? And he says, because I'm brown and a lot of my friends are going through this and... We, it's in our benefit to understand where you stand on some mm-hmm. of these things. And the thing that made me think a little bit about the Twitter fact is that it feels like this hedge of, like, because they are government-funded, these accounts could be spreading some version of misinformation. Yeah. But they're hedging because they're expecting the public to make that leap. Right. Right. Again, to you and me, if we see RT and it's like, oh, this is a government... You can be like, oh, this is from the guy Russia, potentially misinformation. But it's on us to make it, right? Because if this was the... Again, if Mexico has a public whatever, the secretary Mm -hmm. of something, that is not necessarily that. Just labeling as a government organization doesn't help us that much. Right. You know? Like, it's expecting... It's kind of playing it both ways. So... I do believe there is value in communicating and make very clear what some people or organizations are representing, are represented, and what their role is, you know, like they do it with political figures or they do it with represented. I really like the way that they do the representatives, for example, where yeah. there is a tag that says representative of this district of this state. Very helpful, I think, right? There isn't any leap gives it's clear it, yep. it's context that it's helpful for as you read things. But then there are some of these that truly just feel like a way to say they are doing some of this moderation or they're informing the, the 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 public and even to your point of like just forgetting about this political made-up arguments around if it's a if it's put yes or no. I still think it it should be done in a probably in a different way they might be worried about like user experience and it will be very long if we actually write government funded by this government. It's known to do blah and blah. Yeah. But it does feel like there could be somewhere that where it's a little bit more direct. What about you? Yeah. I think I mostly
1: agree with you with, I do think disclosure of financial incentives and, where you're, just where your money's coming from is always good. I do think that in this case, this is just kind of stupid because almost everyone knows that, especially people on Twitter, that NPR is funded by the American people in some part, but they are also an independent arm of the US. Um, and I also doubt that NPR tweets are really filtering over to other regional versions of Twitter outside of the United States. So I don't see the value on the product side of labeling this in the same way that I would labeling a US senator as a representative of the United States or a Chinese politician as a representative of China. I do see journalistic value there. At the same time this just feels like kind of a I don't know stupid Aaron Sorkin idea of a conflict, like (laughs) NPR and PBS should not be leaving Twitter over this. Who cares? Like your journalistic standards are not so high that you can't just like shrug off something stupid and inconsequential that is actually partially true, even though it can be misconstrued to mean something much worse. Like I think most people that are going to see that label are either going to know. While Elon Musk is an idiot or already think that these these entities are doing the like bidding of the deep state and George Soros, right? So I don't know why they're taking such a drastic action over something so minor and inconsequential.
0: Fair. Sending a making a point. It's not about the money. It's about yeah. making a point. It is, and that's why I said
1: it just seems like a stupid like, I don't know, West Wing plot to me, as opposed to something of actual consequence. But. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Very fair. <sighs> well, yeah, that was our Twitter Twitter, I guess. We're going to use that phrase in a minute. It just gives us heartburn. I want to start <sighs> calling it the Twitter heartburn. This is the first time we've ever ended on Twitter. We shouldn't do that. It always just kind of makes us go, uh ah.
0: Yeah, no, let's change the, the the AMA. Uh Carl, what is your favorite uh Julia Roberts movie? Oceans Twelve.
1: Where she plays some Herself. she plays a character pretending to
0: be Julia Roberts. Fantastic answer. You see, Thank now you. we ended up on a high. What about oh, yours? Okay. Um Regency Bias just rewatched Nothing Hill. All right. And last time I was in the, uh, London, I stayed across the street from the Savoy because I can't afford to stay at the Savoy. But I was like, "Oh, that's where she had the press conference. Where he did." So pretty fun.
1: My Julia Roberts knowledge is actually pretty woefully low, and it's funny that you bring her up because I've uh, I've been listening to the new season of You Must Remember This, which is called Erotic Nineties. About Julia Roberts. Oh. uh it's about erotic films in the 1990s it's a sequel to the last one which was erotic 80s sorry i used to do my Karina longworth erotic 80s and you will th- remember for this yeah that's me sorry uh it's we can just do mario. an episode and ooh, mario and Karina longworth on a podcast together that would be great but anyway she just did an episode a like hour and a half on Julia Roberts and her coming out of Pretty Woman and her career being so tied to that and also to being this young, new, sexy starlet. Very, very good episode. Uh, The Erotic 80s and this new series are excellent. I highly recommend them for just getting a greater context on a category film that we don't think of that really dominated culture for about three decades.
0: Awesome. I will add it to my cue. That sounds great. See, we're happy now. Good job. Thank you for fixing We're happy it. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. we forgot about Twitter. Fantastic stuff. <sighs> All right. Well, well, it was it was, great to catch up. We as always. We're getting into dangerously close territory to hanging out in Orlando together. We still have, to have a episode to make. Less than two months. Are we going to record? I don't think we're going to record. Maybe we'll record like a
1: little voice memo. We should do something, yeah. We could do I like a little diary. It'd be cute. All right, we'll figure that yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Until next week, everyone. Talk to you then.
0: Bye.